I want to just tell you a little bit about myself before we get started and um, what we're going to be talking about tonight. So I want to show you a picture of my family. These are my two children. That's my six-year-old son, Noah. That is our three-year-old son, Jackson. My super patient, super graceful, uh, long-suffering wife, Abby. And then we have a third child on the way that's due in October. And so, yeah, so there's that. And so you may be wondering what in the world is a director of digital ministry and what does he direct and what does he minister? And so let me tell you. So I basically get paid to be on Facebook all day long. So it is incredible. No, I do more than that. Um, Really, let me tell you how I got to where I am uh, today. So about a little over six years ago, we were surprised to learn that our firstborn son, Noah, was born with Down syndrome. We learned that several hours after his uh, birth. And, and so we were really surprised. I remember asking my wife, is he gonna be like Christopher Reeves? And she's like, Rick, Christopher Reeves fell off a horse. So I, you can laugh at that, that's okay, I had no idea. And, um, and I didn't really know anything about Down syndrome. And so I started to look on the internet, started to um, begin to see what life was going to be like, what our new life was going to be like. And so um, I began to get encouragement from that. So I began this website called noahsdad.com and really, the, if, so depending on what study you read, up to 92% of children prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted. So let that sink in. So every time you see one Noah, there's potentially nine more Noahs that you will never see because they were murdered. Okay. And so that's crazy, right? I mean, so you're just like, that's crazy. And so you go, what do I do to do something about that? So I just had this, this belief that if I could invite every person in the world that had a prenatal diagnosis of Down syndrome into our house to hang out with Noah, they wouldn't abort Noah. But the problem is we don't have a house big enough to, to let everyone in the world come in there. And plus people are creepy and we don't want everyone in our house. So the internet was a better way to do it. So we started this website. We started just sharing his story and we started a Facebook page and Instagram account. And I've always been a tech nerd. So I'm the guy that if I come to your party, if you ever invite me to a party, I'm taking all the pictures, right? And you're going to hate on me. You're going to be like, bro, not another picture. And you're going to hate on me until you say, hey, can you send me the pictures later? Right? You're all, I'm that guy. I've always been in technology. And so I graduated seminary and was, was interviewing for another job. I met with Todd. He gave me some advice. That advice got me fired during the job interview. And so then I came on staff at Watermark to use technology to minister to people, not to market to people, but to go, hey, how can we leverage technology to reach really more people than we can reach on a Sunday morning? I mean, Sunday we can reach 10,000 people. How many people can fit in that room times four? But on the internet, you can reach Millions. I mean, it's an unlimited audience. So I came on staff at Watermark. It'll be about five years in October to leverage uh, technology to create disciples. And so that, that's part of my job. That's what I do. I also get a chance to be on a little resource called Real Truth Real Quick, where we answer questions that people uh, send in. And so I, I have been using technology all, all of my life. And so as, as, as helpful as technology can be, as fun and as time-wasting as technology can be, there can also be Uh, some pitfalls when it comes to technology. And pitfalls that if we're not careful, if we don't uh, really understand these pitfalls, they can be a barrier uh, to oneness in our marriage. And so what we're gonna talk about tonight real quickly is really five principles of technology use uh, that can help us have oneness in our marriage. Five principles, I'm gonna go through these really fast, uh, but five principles that helps us to have oneness in our marriage. And so some of these areas are black and white uh, issues. Some of these are, are sin, Issues and some of these are some of these are black and white issues. Some of their, these are not. In fact, almost all of the things that we're going to talk about tonight are are gray are gray areas. Uh, but I, but I do quickly want to say this before we move on. If if pornography, we're not going to talk about uh, pornography tonight. 
Uh, I think a lot of times when you go into a talk about technology, that's like the whole talk, okay? And so you probably have heard that talk, but I do wanna tell you if that's part of your story, if you're uh, in bondage to pornography, uh, we know that people find freedom all the time from that. So there's one resource I wanna tell you about, it's marriagehelp.org slash porn. And so you don't have to write that down so that the guy next to you looks over and they're like, that's the guy that's addicted to porn. Just remember that website. That's one website that your accountability partner will be okay if you go to look at that one, okay? So marriagehelp.org slash porn, there's lots of resources there. And um, that, uh, incidentally, pornography is not a great area, by the way. Uh, there's no debate about pornography. If that's a struggle of yours, that, that's a black or white issue. That, that's a sin issue. And if pornography is part of your story, if you uh, let that into your marriage, it, will, it can destroy your marriage. And so if that's an issue of yours, man, we wanna help you and there's freedom. God wants to give you freedom uh, from pornography. So there you go. So as we get started today, I want you to help me. So I want you to grab your cell phone. If you have a, a cell phone, hopefully you all do. I know you do. Grab your cell phone, pull it out and, and unlock it for me. So put your password in, unlock it, get it, get it ready to go. Uh, everybody got it? Raise, your, raise it in the air. All right, so there you go, you got it. Now what I want you to do really, really fast is I want you to swap it with your spouse. And I'm gonna give you about one minute. You can go through all the pictures, all the emails, all the text messages, you have complete freedom. Just kidding, get your phone back. Everybody's Fitbit just blew up. Your heart rate monitor just went through the roof. <laughs> you went crazy. Now listen, if, if that made your heart beat fast just then, and by the look of some of your feet, some of you are like, I gotta go to the bathroom for like ever. <laughs> it, if that just made your heart beat fast, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about why. Like if that made you super nervous, super uncomfortable, like, man, is this guy really gonna do this? I just want you to ask yourself in your own mind, like why was that so uncomfortable for you? And so the first principle that I wanna give you this is to understand that passwords are meant to protect your personal information, not hide your secret life. You know, the problem is that many of us are hiding behind passwords to protect a secret lifestyle. We're talking to people, we're sending messages to people, we're doing things uh, to other people that we shouldn't be doing. And there obviously there's, there's not a verse directly in the Bible about this, but I can make a pretty good case from Genesis 2.24 that you're, you're one flesh with your spouse, that uh, you're no longer two separate people like you were when you were dating or, or you were friends, you, you're one person. And so one of the goals in marriage is oneness with our spouse. And so what you've got to ask yourself is this, if you're having messages, if you're having conversations, you, if you're having um, dialogue with people other than your spouse, if you're sending messages to other people other than your spouse, what you've got to ask yourself is this, is this conversation helping me have oneness in my marriage or is this creating a barrier in my, in my marriage? And unfortunately, this, this particular principle hurts a lot of marriages. This particular principle does a lot of damage. And so you may wonder this question, you may wonder this, should your spouse know your passwords? You know, that's something that people ask. Should my spouse know my email password? Should my spouse know my voicemail password? Should my spouse you know, know my whatever password? And let me just tell you, the answer is yes. Yes, your, your spouse should know your passwords. And if you bucket that, if you posit that, I got to ask you why? If I'm sitting down with someone and I say, man, your, your wife should know your password to your email. She should know that. And you go, man, I don't, Rick, I don't think so. That's a bad idea. I, I would say to that person, why? Why do you have such a hard time with that? Because listen, here's what I know. Secrets don't create oneness. They create isolation. Secrets never, almost never help you have oneness in your marriage. They create isolation. And so I don't want to get on you. I don't want to 
you know, heap guilt and shame on you. I just, I don't want you to live like that. You know, I, I've been married by God's, really by God's grace. If you hung out with me for like 10 minutes, you would know how true this is, but it's, I'm an idiot, man. Like I am an idiot in constant need of God's grace in my life. And, and I've been married for 10 years this October to my wife. We dated for seven years before that. And a good chunk of our dating relationship, I was a fraud. I was a phony. I was having uh, conversations with other girls that weren't my girlfriend. I was cheating on my girlfriend. I mean, I was a fraud. I was a phony. I was always worried about when am I going to get found out? And maybe you're here today and you're wondering like, is, am I going to get found out tonight? Is this going to be the night that I leave my phone on the counter, the password's unlocked and if something blows up on my phone, is tonight going to be the night that I get found out? And so listen, I just don't want you to live like that. The Bible, Jesus doesn't want you to live like that. There's a better way. There's a free way. And that's found in the gospel of Christ. And so I'm pretty sure that my wife knows my passwords for everything. I, um, I don't think she's ever looked through any of my stuff, by the way. And I don't think I've ever looked through any of her stuff because there's an attitude of trust. She knows my stuff, but my passwords are there to protect my, my uh, private information, right? My bank information if I lose my phone, not to protect some secret lifestyle of mine. You know, so this principle leads to the next question. Is it okay to have friends of the opposite sex? Is it okay to text message people, email people, uh, have phone calls with people of the opposite sex? You may be wondering that. Let me answer that question clearly for you. Yes, with a huge asterisk, okay? My boss at Watermark is a woman, right? Obviously I communicate with my boss, right? We talk, we send text messages, we have communication. I have friends, I'm in a community group. There are women in my community group. Sometimes we talk. So yes, I literally talk to other women, right? But here's the key. Here's kind of the principle. I, I think that when a, one, spat, one gender is talking to another gender that's not their wife, I, I usually try to think of that as more transactional than emotional. More transactional, right? I'm not talking, I'm not texting women in my community group going, hey, just thinking about you today, how are you feeling, right? That's weird. That's uncomfortable. Um, hey, what time's the party? Hey, here's this thing. Now listen, I, you don't have to talk like a robot, right? I'm still a person, I have a personality. Um, and typically for me, this is just for me, when I text um, you know, other people, wives, I usually will loop their husband in or loop my wife in. There's usually two of us. Not, not to make it weird or anything, I just, that's just something that I do. Um, I also don't go to lunches with women. I don't ride in cars with women to some business appointment. Um, and there's not a hard and fast Bible verse on that. But here's what I would say as we move on to the next point is you do need to have a conversation with your spouse and you need to say, hey, what, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about going to work appointments with other people? How do you feel about conversations with people at my work that are, that are the opposite sex? And have a conversation with your spouse. You may say, hey, I don't feel comfortable with you ever meeting with your boss alone and you have to unpack all that. And so I do think you need to have that conversation uh, with your wife. And here's the principle. There's anything that you wouldn't feel good about your spouse hearing or seeing, um, that doesn't seem like something that creates oneness to me. And so if you're ever having a conversation with someone and you go, boy, I, I just don't know if this, if, if I wouldn't want my wife to see this, that's a red flag, I think, where you wanna go, hey, this is, this is off limits. This, this isn't uh, good. And I, and I had grown in wisdom over this. I had girl, you know, friends that were girls when I got married. And you, so, I mean, I've grown in wisdom over this. That's Michael Jordan. Um, and um, uh, yeah, and so, you know, I've grown in wisdom over this, but in, and the goal isn't to be the technology police, right? That's not what we're trying to do here. The goal is to build trust and oneness 
uh, in your marriage. Uh, number two is this, don't drown in the sea of information. You know, we hold more access to more information in our hands than any person that has ever lived in the history other than Jesus Christ who knew, who knew everything, right? In 1994, there were fewer than 3,000 websites. By 2014, more than 1 billion. That represents a 33 million percent increase in 20 years. And so it can be, information can be used for good. It can be used uh, for bad. I, and this is, it looks like this, right? It looks like looking up something on the internet and, and, and going, man, I had this bump on my head and all of a sudden you have terminal four cancer, right? That's what it looks like. And then you spend all day. This is an area where, where um, you know, I spent a lot that's really affected me, right? I've canceled trips before. So one time, for instance, I had this real big fear of flying, right? I don't know if anybody else has ever had a fear of flying. And I remember I was gonna be going on a trip to New York and um, I, I, there was like weather or something like that. So I started spending time on the internet. I was Googling like turbulence maps, fly. All of a sudden I was like an aviation expert, I thought. Like, what am I doing looking at turbulence maps, right? So I'm like looking at all this stuff, trying to figure out. And I literally canceled the flight. Like I worked myself up so much like I canceled this flight. Like I was so worried, so stressed. And it just like went to one website and it wasn't pornography. It was like one site to another. And it was just like, and it just got my anxiety going. I don't know if you guys are ever like that. I do that on a lot of different ways. I, I think by God's grace, I've gotten better at that. But if you start just surfing the web for information, if you do that, that's going to affect your marriage. That, that's going to get you anxious. That's going to get you going. Um, curiosity, things like what ifs. And I've been guilty of this before, but you go, man, I wonder what that ex-girlfriend's up to that ex-boyfriend, you start just looking on Facebook, maybe you do a Google search. It's like, hey, just out of curiosity, right? You're not gonna go meet them at Applebee's tonight at two o'clock in the morning, right? They're open until two, by the way. Um, I saw the commercial. Um, but you just go, man, j just letting ourselves drown in a sea of information. Philippians 4 reminds us to keep our minds um, on Christ, to keep our minds on Christ. And so I would encourage you in that is as you surf the web, as you have access to Facebook, Instagram, all these tools, going, hey, is this search, is this thing that I'm looking up, is this going to create oneness in my marriage or is this going to create separation? And, and only you can answer, can answer that question. For me, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I can't go down a path where I'm just looking up a bunch of stuff that's going to make my, I have a really struggle with anxiety. And so, man, I can get that going really fast. And so I've got to be careful not to go down those paths. I don't know about you. Uh, the third one, don't compare your life to someone else's uh, highlight reel. It's really easy for us for me to compare my life to what I see on social media. Maybe you uh, do this, this picture of Michael Jordan that I had up here. You know, Michael Jordan, he's amazing. Everybody wants to be like Mike. He has this quote, he says, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game winning shot uh, and I missed. You know, you never see a DVD or a Blu-ray with those on there, you know, like you never see like, hey, look at 300 games that Michael Jordan lost for 9.99. Like you just don't see that, right? You just think Michael Jordan's amazing. And the same thing happens right online, right? You start looking on the internet and, you, and you're like, man, that, that guy's uh, wife is amazing. Like all they do is go to nice restaurants and to the beach all the time. Like how do they always go to the beach? They, they go to Hawaii six times a month. How do they always, there's not even that much time to fly there and back. And so, and then you start comparing, or maybe you, you're on Facebook and you see a post and someone's like, man, my husband just made me breakfast in bed. And you're like, man, my, my husband never makes me breakfast in bed. Maybe you do that for your house, right? You just bought, you just got a new house. You put countertops down, you put some nice countertops down and someone else has even nicer countertops. You're like, man, my countertops are horrible. I'm never eating on these countertops again. Um, and, and you start to compare. We do that as homes. Uh, we do that on this website called Pinterest. There's, a, there's some real life Pinterest. <laughs> 
Pinterest situation. They tried. Here's another one. You guys ever been there? I like this one. <laughs> Get off Pinterest, y'all. Um, but you know, that's what we do, right? I mean, we, we look at things like that top picture and we just go, man, everyone does it perfect. Everyone's got it going on. Their life is perfect. And what you got to remember, social media is people's highlight reel, right? If you look at my, uh, um, you know, any of my social media accounts, you're like, this dude is amazing. Like all he does is read the Bible. His kids love him. He never gets into an argument, right? I take a picture of the one time last year I did the dishes and you're like, he always does the dishes for his wife. So if you jumped on my Twitter feed, I wanted to share a couple of tweets with you since we're friends in this room that you'll never see on my Twitter feed. And it goes like this. Was a complete jerk to my wife this morning and didn't help her get the kids ready for church, but ready to go get my worship on. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> Hoping my kids will spend at least two more hours on their iPad so I can lay on the couch in peace. Hashtag dad life. You'll never see that one. And then uh, didn't help with dinner, dishes, or diapers tonight, but hope my wife will be in the mood for sex anyway. Hashtag getting lucky. Hash the husband of the year for real. And so you'll never see those on there. You will never see those. Uh, Proverbs 14.30 says, a tranquil, heart, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. We need to learn to celebrate, not to compare celebrate. And so every time you're tempted to compare, every time you're on Facebook and you see someone else's quasi perfect life, right? Which I'm guilty of that. Um, you need to remember, man, I, God, I want to celebrate my life. I want to thank you for my spouse. I want to thank you for my house. I want to thank you for my job, right? Um, and, and you need to thank God. Anytime you're tempted to compare, you need to stop and go, hey, that's a highlight reel. That's not their real life. That Instagram account is probably sponsored by some company, right? To post awesome pictures. That's not real. That's a snapshot. Like you'll never see me go, hey, just got in an argument with my wife on the way to church. She's crying. We're about to go in here and sing worship. Hey, like that's not gonna happen, all right? It, but I'm a jerk, right? But that's not gonna happen. You're not gonna see that. But you need to know that happens, right? Don't, uh, don't compare your life to someone else's highlight reel. And then this is really the last one. And this is, this is one of my biggest issues. And it's this, it's uh, don't allow technology to steal your most valuable resource uh, time. And see, I make this horrible mistake. Maybe you do. You guys are probably a lot more spiritual than I am, but I make this mistake of that when I'm, that being there means I'm present, that if I'm physically there, that I'm present. And, um, that that's a lie, right? I mean, we do this. I remember going to Disney with my family one time, being on my phone, being at work, like Todd Wagner emailed me, like, get off your phone or texting me something like, but my work was saying, stop. And I was on my phone. Like I'm addicted to this thing. Like it's crack. Like I'm addicted to this. And, um, and I'm at Disneyland with my family uh, getting gorged on buying two pricey snow cones or whatever. And I'm on my phone when I should be spending time with my family. I don't know if you guys ever do that. Psalms 90, 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You know, we waste time. We surf the web, ESPN, Facebook, playing games. And I'm not saying, get this, I'm, I'm talking to myself, by the way, when I say this, and I'm not saying you can't surf the web, but if you spend more time crushing candy than you do talking to your spouse, that's a problem. That is a problem, Rick. Okay. And so you need people to speak into your life. Here's a few principles that I would like to teach myself. Maybe they'd be helpful to you. 
that when you go on dates, vacations, um, put your phone away, be present. This is a hard one though, because if you go on a date with your spouse and you don't post it on Facebook, does the date really happen? <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, uh, a technology box. I've heard about someone doing this where they have taken a box, put their stuff in it when, it when they come home and they don't get it until after the kids go to bed or at a certain time. Boundaries at 8.30 and on, I'm not gonna use it. And then I hope everyone in here is in a community group. You have people in your life to go, hey, I need you to ask me how I'm doing with this. In fact, I want you to ask me how I'm doing with this. James 4.14, life is a vapor. You know, in 20 years, we will never wish that we uh, search Facebook one more minute right, or posted one more picture, but we will wish we would spend more time with our family. And so the goal isn't shame and guilt, it's, it's oneness. And if you're not a Christian and you're here tonight, this stuff probably seems nuts to you. This probably seems crazy. Give my spouse my password, what are you talking about? And I have to say that once you put your, your trust in Christ, he changes you, he changes your motives, your desires, he gives you wisdom. And um, no matter what you've done, you know, I don't know about you, but man, my life has been a mess. I mean, if you hung out with me, if you got to know my story, you got to know I'm an idiot. I mean, I'm an idiot. I have blown it in every way that you could blown it. And uh, because of the gospel of Christ, I mean, he's wiped the slate clean. He's forgiven me. I'm a new person. I've made lots of mistakes, sins. I've hurt people, uh, but God's forgiven me. And so I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of baggage you got tonight. I don't know what you brought into this room, but you need to know this, man. God can forgive anything you've ever done. And he can wipe the slate clean. He can heal your marriage. No matter, God is in the business of restoring broken things. First uh, 1 John 1.9 1 says, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us uh, from all unrighteousness. And if your marriage is broken, you need to know that God can fix things a lot quicker than it took you to mess them up. It's his specialty. So I'm gonna give you three questions to ask and then you guys, and then Ryan's gonna come up and really it's these three questions. Is there anything to confess? Is there anything tonight as you hear these, you go, man, I need to confess. I'm not talking about you had some affair with someone on your phone before you came in here, maybe. But just go, man, hey, I spend too much time on my phone. I'm sorry for not being present with the kids and with you. Hey, I, I get caught up in anxiety or comparing my house to this. Like, is there anything you need to confess tonight? Anything that you need to get with your spouse and go, hey, I, need to, I need to share this with you. Is there anything? And on the flip side, if your spouse was to confess something to you, would it be safe to do so? You know, would you threaten them with divorce or would you love them like Christ? And let me remind you, it's not normal to forgive people. That's supernatural. And then um, last, last piece is ask your spouse, how am I doing in these areas often? Ask your community group, how am I doing? As you look at my life, how am I doing? And then listen to their feedback and go, man, thank you. Um, thank you for that. And so don't allow porn to enter your marriage. Passwords are there to protect your personal information, not hide your secret life. Don't drown in the sea of information. Don't compare your life to someone else's highlight reel and don't allow technology to steal your most valuable resource time. The, the goal is oneness. It's not to walk out of here and go through your spouse's phone. It's to find ways to protect your marriage. And so um, you know, no, no technology rule is gonna replace a strong marriage. And um, so let me pray for us. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for... Um, just gifts, tools that you've given us to connect with our people. And we don't want to abuse them. We want to use them. We don't want to get used by technology. And so would you help us? Thank you for these friends here tonight. And, um, and I'm glad that they're, they're here. I pray that you would heal uh, their marriage, strengthen their marriage. And that we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.